Well, after last week's episode where we tore, well, let's be honest, not just the podcasting world to shreds, but also the greater cricket community, uh, it was only <laughs> right that we were going to fracture slightly, and uh, more on that later, obviously, but um, yeah, there's going to be an interesting episode in store. Welcome to episode 68 of the Mid-Off Cricket Podcast. Uh, she's a new look set up today, chaps. Um, Ooh, yeah. before, we, before we get into the massive fortnight of cricket, let me introduce the stellar lineup we've assembled tonight. Uh, three-time Centurion for the Roosters and member of the Team of the Decade for that great club. Hello, Mick. Hello, gents. Uh, Premiership player, highest wicket-taker of the previous decade, two-time <laughs> club champion for the Mighty Roosters. Hello, Alex. G'day, guys. Uh, one-time Premiership 12th man and greatest drink runner of all time, Ross Slater. Welcome to the show. Where's Ross? Well, that's my point. What's happened to the great man? <laughs> yeah, where is the he? Last, the last we heard, he was enjoying a round of Guinness at the local watering hole. And the next thing we know, he's out of contention for the recording session. Uh, I yeah. think that I think that leaves Mick as the only one who hasn't missed an episode. So, uh, well done, little fella. On you, Mick. Thanks, fellas. I'm just, you know, I'm the Iron Man of the Mid-Off Cricket <laughs> Podcast team. Uh, look, in all honesty, after his unhinged rant at James Sutherland last <laughs> week, he probably deserved a spell in the two, so uh, he'll come back better for that. And, uh, you know, the, we won't miss a beat, let's be honest. Uh, before we get started, obviously, shout out to our mate from Frederick Harold Sox, Jesse Bilkey. Uh, many happy returns for your birthday, mate, the last couple of days. So. Yeah, merry birthday. Yeah, happy well, birthday. Nice. <laughs> uh, don't oh, forget yeah. our uh, Patreon and Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, not sure we've received and dollar at this stage, but uh, we're <laughs> no, certainly working hard. Crossed, yes, fingers working crossed. hard. Working hard to try and get a shekel uh, out of all the hard work we put into this. And by hard work, I mean the five minutes took me to write that intro before we started the episode. Um, so, with no point standing on ceremony, fellas, let's just jump straight into it. Um, <laughs> after the uh, sandpaper gate and uh, mm. the massive fallout from that, we would have thought that's the last we've heard of any sort of um, alleged ball tampering of any kind. But uh, you've got a little uh, hot off the press story from local cricket, Mick. I do. I beg to differ, Dave. <laughs> all tampering all round. So, uh, yeah, so um, in the Victorian Mid-Year Cricket Association, oh, God. which is a winter comp for God. those people of Melbourne who want to experience an English cricket without the long flight, <laughs> uh, there are allegations of... There are allegations of match fixing in the match fix not match fixing ball tampering match in the fixing. Mayfield, I was say, yeah, match geez. fixing as well. No, 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 ball tampering. I don't know why I wrote. Whether well, your shekels on the uh, <laughs> yeah. bet on the mid-year yeah. cricket competition, oh, sports bet. That that's <laughs> what keeps sports bet going over winter. Not AFL yeah. mid-year cricket. <laughs> um, so yeah, so <clears throat> there was ball tampering allegations in the May fifth match between the Dennis Cricket Club and the Latrobe University Cricket Club. Oh, Trobers. So the report the Trovers. So the report reads After an extensive independent investigation and the expert opinion of Kookaburra Sports. Wow. Yeah, so they actually the, went to Kookaburra. Jesus. Yeah. The boffins down at Kookaburra yeah. HQ. Uh-huh. The MYCA executive supports the umpire's opinion on the match day that there was nothing untoward in relation to the condition of the match ball being used by the Dennis Cricket Club. Mm. So the umpire's decision on match day should have been respected by La Trobe University. Uh, the Dennis Creek Club is exonerated from any wrongdoing in regards to the condition of the match ball. And now have diplomatic immunity. Yes. Yeah. So um, so from all accounts, what that sounds like is um, Latrobe lost a few wickets <laughs> and fucking sucked it up and 
fresh off uh, watching too much cricket on Foxtel in South Africa. They thought, yeah. this is how we can get out of this and try and make ourselves look respectable. And that did not happen. I imagine the uh, weather got a little bit overcast and the yeah. ball started hooping around. Or we reversing, maybe. Yes. Was it reversing? Yes, maybe. The elusive reversing. They turned the ball around a bit. So um, so the article goes on. It has been found that the behaviour of both clubs following this incident was poor, with constant verbal verbal abuse and innuendo really? on and off the ground. What type? Uh, sexual, I yeah. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, boys. <laughs> he likes to sandpaper his balls, right? you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so it's held that both captains failed in their duty under the spirit of cricket. Oh, yes. To control their plays and respect their opposition. Both captains have been given penalties reflective of their failure. And both clubs have been issued penalties for charges of serious misconduct and bringing the game into disrepute. Now, there's some hefty fucking charges. Yes. So, in terms of bringing the game into into disrepute and um, serious misconduct, each club was fined. The princely sum of $200. Jeez. Oh, that's yeah. it. De- yeah. Oh, Dennis yeah. have gone into receivership, I hear, too. Yeah. 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 So right where, they did, where, yeah, where the old uh, MYCA uh, did go hard was at um, La Trobe University skipper Hashan Fernando, who was giving a four-match suspension Fuck. for uh, his breach of the spirit of cricket. I reckon blokes have punched blokes in the back of the yeah. head and got less weeks. <laughs> I've seen. I've, I've played in a team where a bloke swung a cricket bat at a bloke yeah. and didn't even get a week. Oh, he got he did giggle. Or he got a club imposed week. He didn't get a week from the league. I've played in games where someone's thrown a cricket bat at least thirty minutes and got one week. <laughs> um, and the Dennis skipper, one Mister Jared Batanelli, uh, was given one match because he didn't play within the spirit of the game as well, according to the MY. C-A. The MICA, as it's called. The MICA. Is. Um, does that actually stand for... Jared... Sorry, does that stand yes. for Mid-Year Cricket Association? It does. <laughs> wow. They should sponsor us, the Mids... Uh, yeah, the mid-C- get all the Mid together. Yeah. It can be the Mid-Off... It can be the Mid-Year Cricket Association Mid-Off podcast. <laughs> the MICA... Oh, oh, actually, maybe we can go another tact and, and sponsor the competition. The Mid-Off Cricket Podcast oh, brings better. to you the Mid-Year Cricket Association. Yeah. Oh, I wonder how much it would cost. I'll um, kick into the Patreon, you bastard, so we can start yeah. sponsoring local... Grassroots is what we're all about, mm. Oh, mate, it's the most root mm. of all the grasses at Cobb. <laughs> Jesus. If there's, there's, a, there's one record that can only get broken once, and that's to be the first person to put money in our Patreon. So if you hurry up, you can have, you can have that elusive record. We'll you basically we send you do. whatever you want to, by the way. We should force the competition to put our logo on the pockets of all the clubs because that's oh, where everyone will be looking because yes, their hands will be yeah, in the pockets because it's fucking freezing. Maybe we sponsor the hand warmers that go in the pockets. I'm a, yeah. I'm a fucking marketing genius, fellas. <laughs> all right, if you say, move on. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's a bit of local cricket. That's that's all good for that. Jeez, you spoke, on you, Mick. On you, Mick. You spoke about princely sums there, Mick. Uh, another man who is uh, known to princely sums is uh, Ben Stokes. Oh, he sure is. So as we know, um, Ben Stokes, as um, apart from kicking blokes in the head while they're on the ground, plays Love in the stuff. IPL. Oh, yeah, right, show, does he? Yeah. yeah, he plays in the IPL. So you can't, if you sandpaper a ball, out of the IPL. Yes. You don't want your fuck yeah. off. If you kick a bloke in the head... Here's one point nine million dollars. <laughs> Come in. Yes. So he got so the Rajasthan Royals 
gave him something. It's like what it's between one point four and one point eight million, somewhere in that vicinity. So he it worked out because he had a very poor IPL. It it equated to the that he got ten thousand dollars per run he made. <laughs> Fucking Jesus hell. Christ. It's not bad work if you can get it. Me yeah. personally, I'd start oh, this. I don't make many runs, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they've been rolling blackouts in right to start uh, just because they had to take some money out of the. Uh, they couldn't have the uh, coal power yeah. plants running. Yeah, they had to make sure everyone switched the lights off if they weren't using them. So in between yes. balls, the lights would go off. Yes. In between overs, the lights would go off. There was only yeah. one hot dog vendor yeah. in the. In the um, Ground, which yeah. is one more than normal, so they kind of they kind of shoved out for that. But yeah, <laughs> just just on that, Mick, if I had made ten grand for every run I made this year, I would have made ten grand. Yeah, <laughs> I would have made five. I would have somehow lost half a run. I reckon. Clubbing is five. One short, one short. <laughs> I didn't get half a run. Yeah. So he obviously had a shit one in the uh, yeah. in the IPL. Um, He's not Robinson Caruso. A few other boys like Finchie struggled, Maxwell struggled. So, and that not that Finch is on the money that he's on, but Maxwell's on decent coin and he struggled a little yeah. bit as well. What is it, so. Mick? Uh, it breaks your heart when shit things happen to shit, shit people. people. Yeah. <laughs> but another speaking of that kind of thing, I was, I was talking to Alex as well about this. Is that Mitchell Stark got bought for around the same fee, yeah, yeah, maybe even time. a little bit more. And he ended up not playing due to injuries or whatever his reasoning was. He hit his elbow on a coffee table. But he was, if he bowled his full allotment of four overs every game and they made the finals, someone had done the maths on Twitter and it was something like he would get $3,500 a ball yeah, that he bowled. Yeah. You, that, it's so much money. you got to oh. think they're not getting that money back. No, it's just, like, like we just watched, we were just watching a replay before, this, before it started. We were watching yeah. the... Uh, Knight Riders game when the Knight Riders got up to make it into the finals. Yeah, they beat the Royals. And um, the place was packed and it was yeah. rocking every time something happened. Yeah. But the other side of that is, but when you watched it, no one had a drink in their hand, no one had food. Like, you know yeah. when you watch an Australian game, there'll be a bloke with a beer and a bloke with a pie or something. Yeah, yeah. There was none of that. So you wonder, apart from coming in the gate, how much actual money gets generated? Yeah, I don't think anything over the gate, right? Yeah, I imagine it's just the TV rights. Yeah. Because they sell so much TV rights worldwide. So does the BCCI pump money into the clubs? I don't reckon they do. I reckon the clubs uh, pay the BCCI. I think, I think it's... Um, I think that's part of the privateer thing. So if you want one, you've yeah. got to foot the co- you got to fit, foot the money. But then how do they make money? I they don't must, know. They must get some sort of kickback to... I don't know. It might. It advertising might just, on the yeah. actual coverage. Oh, there'll or definitely there'll be money. There'll be kickbacks for advertising and at the ground and oh, all that type yeah, of stuff. That's true. But I imagine. Jesus Christ, David! What are you doing? Eating popcorn? You're all right, mate. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> I imagine for um, the big part of it for these guys, it's more just these are millionaire, multi-millionaire, billionaire type Indian people. And it's more just the status symbol of saying, I have an IPL team. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. it, but probably a tax cut yeah. somehow. Yeah. I don't know. But it just, yeah, I don't think they're making them. They obviously didn't make money off Mitchell Sachs that didn't play, but even if he did, I don't reckon they're making yeah. any profit off him. No, nah, I can't imagine so. So it must be, I don't know how they Unless there's decent prize money for the finals and stuff, yeah, maybe, yeah. but still. Yeah, I like, think there is. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, mate. You're back. Yeah, what happened? Uh, no, seamless, fellas. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> what happened? Did you? Uh, oh, did you? Is there like your rustling papers over your oh, microphone? Actually, to be honest, my um, 
my uh, headphones come disconnected and dropped on the floor. So that's all that was. Ah, okay. uh, we did um, hear that, that's for sure. See, we don't need Ross. We could poor sound quality is everyone's game, fellas. Never forget that. Yeah, that's that. true. You don't exactly. just need one leader in poor sound quality. Yeah. We're all leaders. We're not going to scare off the sponsors if we don't keep our poor sound quality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as I said to you blokes in the pregame, um, we, we were too good last episode, so we've got to bring yeah. it back a touch. That's yeah. a good point. And as they always say, a team full of bad sound quality always beats a sound quality full of bad teams. Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree. Uh, I just think like, on the IPL, they shove them all in pretty, uh, pretty deep in the crowd, so they mm. probably make it some nice coin off your sort of gate takings. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And um, I guess they'd have individual sponsors and whatnot, so uh, they wouldn't be paying out if they couldn't recoup that funds somewhere. Um, yeah, obviously, mm. they probably think that Ben Stokes would give them more than what he did, but I guess that's a risk versus reward uh, that they're happy to take as a business. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And I think, like I was saying again, too, I think it's the part of it too is just the status symbol thing of saying I own an IPL oh, team. Yeah, yeah. yeah and like like Gin said, you know, they're probably um, they're probably oil magnates or whatever, and they just need yeah. to park their money somewhere. So why mm. wouldn't you? Yeah, because it's, like, it's like the same as in American sport. Like, do you really think someone wants to own a fucking NFL team in Jacksonville, Florida, for fuck's sake? No, of course not. But they need yeah, not me, that's point. for sure. <laughs> Go to the that's Jaguars. Actually, the Jaguars are actually owned by like a Pakistani guy. <laughs> yeah, my guys. Speaking of anyway, speaking of your guys, Gin, um, you had a look at some grounds uh, recently and decided to do a write up about them. I did, and around the grounds is back, fellas. Pew can. Clapping and applause. This is Boo. the point. This is the point where we all take the cans off and uh, go and get ourselves Alex. a beer or something. Yeah, <laughs> we've been waiting for this for four episodes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, as you guys know, there was a um, world first, which was the Ireland cricket team playing a test. Ah, there was, That's and correct. also playing a test in their home country, and yep. also playing a test at the Village or Malahide Cricket Club ground. That ground. is correct. Ground. Um, so it's the, so far the only cricket ground in Ireland to host test crickets, but it's not the only cricket ground in Ireland to host first class cricket or ODIs, because they've yeah. played a few. Well, um, they actually have their own first class comp now, so. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so uh, it's a cricket ground in Malahide, obviously, situated in the Lady Acre field of Malahide Castle grounds. So... What is Malahide Castle? And give us some history, I hear you say. Yes, yep. please. Yes, it's an estate which began in 18, uh, 1185. It's a fucking well, long wait. time ago. Yeah, when Richard Talbot, a knight who accompanied Henry II to Ireland in 1174, was granted the... Sir Dickie Talbot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dirty Dick, I reckon. I think it was called. <laughs> Dirty Dick Talbot. Um, uh, cheesy he, for short, I think they call it. <laughs> I think he liked to put it in the Talbot. Just, uh, oh, there we that's go. That's why he was Dirty Dicky. Bit of anal sex. Oh, bit of sizzle. <laughs> yeah, nice one. He nice was granted one. the lands and harbour of Malahide. I assume they slaughtered thousands of Irish people to give it to him. Yeah, yeah why wouldn't you? 
The oldest parts of the castle date back to the 12th century, and it was home to the Talbot family for 791 years. Or oh, just short of 800. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. <laughs> they nearly cracked the 800. They would have oh, broken some records. Yeah. I, heard, I heard after hearing that, Brian Lara was determined to get the 800 years at his house. <laughs> yeah, so he cost his team a victory because he went to the 800 years. <laughs> Uh, so 791 years from 1185 to 1976. Oh, wow, eh? Yes, the only exception being the period between 1649 and 1660 when Oliver Cromwell granted it to Miles Corbett after yes. the Cromwellian conquest of Ireland, as we all know well. Oh, yes. The yeah. We all know it Cromwellian. My favourite <laughs> conquest. Yes. Uh, oh, Corbett was hanged following the demise of Cromwell. So everyone went. It was definitely a bloody coup back after the bloody coup of Cromwell. Um, and then the castle was restored to the Talbots. Um, in, the building was notably enlarged in the reign of Edward the Fourth. Always get those. Yeah, that's rock. a fourth. Yeah, Teddy. At, like and, Rocky Four. And towers. And, yeah, it's just, that's actually enough. Well, it's obvious that's, now that you said Rocky. That's Four, how yeah. Mick learnt Roman numerals by the Rocky <laughs> yeah. That's how he learnt what Apollo was. <laughs> and the towers added in uh, 1765. The estate survived such losses as the Battle of the Boyne, uh, when 14 members of the owner's family sat down to breakfast in the Great Hall, and all were dead by evening. Not as good as the Battle of the Bulge, but continue. <laughs> or, or Battle of the Boing. I like that it doesn't tell you why they were dead no. by evening. <laughs> so how good Wikipedia is, fellas? That's how good copying and pasting from Wikipedia is. <laughs> you know, I, th- I thought copying and pasting off the bloke off Cricket Australia was bad. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you get onto Wikipedia, yeah. mate. Yeah. And in 1918, during the First World War, it was a mooring base for airships. Oh, okay. Yes. Bit of blimp action. King Oath. Um, it, it hosted the air... Sh- uh, it used by airships from the RNAS Anglesey in Wales, which conducted anti-submarine op- operations in the Irish Sea. Mm. And there were plans to have an airship base there in 1919, but after the First World War, as we all know, airships were deemed yes. dumb. In the, in the 1920s, the private papers of James Boswell were discovered in the castle and sold to American collector Ralph H. Ishram by Boswell's great-great-grandson, Lord Talbot de Malahide. Now, the reason why the castle left the family in 1960, 1976 was... Uh, Herpes. <clears throat> uh, Baron Talbot, on his death in 1973, passed the castle to his sister, Rose, who then just sold it to the Irish state in 1975. And uh, before selling it, sold all of the contents inside of it, which caused great... You know, people hated it because yeah. it was, you know, all this stuff. But then it was all bought back by the Irish state, most of it anyway. And so it's been owned by the government since, and they obviously um, installed this cricket yeah. ground and stuff around in the areas. Some former exhibits, which is what made me laugh, um, they were run until 2011. Tara's Palace Museum of Childhood used to be located there. I have no idea what that is, but it relocated to Powerscourt Estate near Ennis Kerry in 2011. Thanks, Powerscourt Estate, for continuing the great tradition of whatever the Tara's Palace Museum of Childhood is. This is a cabinet with a colour Optimus Primes in it or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got the full set of the um, Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah. Turtles yeah, with all their extra paraphernalia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and the Fry Model Railway was located at Malahide Castle from 1988 to 2010 and then left for some reason, but it's going to be reopened in oh. 2019. Everyone loves the Model Railway. Another fun fact about that's everything I have on Malahide yeah. Castle. That's the only things that happened there. Okay. Nice. And, uh, Apart from fun... the test match? Yes. Well, yeah, <laughs> but at the castle. It's, ah, on, okay. the, it's, on, it's on the, Lady on the Acre. estate. Lady Acre Field. So uh, the Malahide median house price is £442,000. Oh, so euros. Like a lot. That's euros, isn't it? I think that is yeah. euros. Yeah. That's a fucking lot. Yeah, it sounds like a lot. Yeah. Anyway, over to the cricket ground. So it's uh, owned by the Malahide... Oh, you haven't started the cricket ground yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we haven't. Shit. Uh, it's owned by the Malahide Cricket Club. Can I just say? Can I just say? I was worried yeah. this podcast is going to run short, but you've you've alleviated those fears. <laughs> Not when I have a segment. <laughs> <laughs> so isn't it funny that all great meccas of cricket in every country is always owned by an MCC? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Capacity of eleven thousand five hundred, making it Ireland's biggest cricket venue. And officially opened international cricket in 2013. In November 2017, it was confirmed as the venue for Ireland's first test match, and they played that two weeks ago against Pakistan and lost. But did all right. Is that your professional opinion? Yes. <laughs> as a cricket commentator. <laughs> That's my professional Yeah, the Irish go, yeah, they did all right. Yeah, yeah they, they did all right, were they? Yeah, they did well. Yeah, yeah they had a crack. Uh, oh, good Irish joke, big crack. Nice. <laughs> ah, yes, nice. In September 2013, declared the ground to host international cricket. The ground hosted first international cricket match when home team Ireland played against England, and England won by six wickets, but Ireland did okay. Okay. Yes. Captain Owen Morgan hit 124 not out on what had been his home ground in his youth, but he captained against his. Uh, Fuck that cunt. Yeah, I know. Turncoat. Mm. Um, so lucky he didn't get shot on entry to Ireland, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, the the capa- capacity of the ground was designed to be to be increased to eleven thousand five hundred using temporary grandstands and hospitality tents, ah. making it the biggest in Ireland. Obviously, uh, the ground became Ireland's <laughs> third venue for international cricket. The other two being Castle Avenue in Dublin and the Civil Service Cricket Club ground at Stormont. So that's the CSCCG. Yeah. Malahide was also confirmed as a stage for two T20 games against South Africa ASO in 2013. It had a it was selected selected for a venue to host matches in the 2015 World T20. Okay. So obviously the highest test score at the ground is 118 by Kevin O'Brien. Yep. Um, the highest ODI score at the ground is. A hundred and forty-two by William Potterfield against. No, no, one hundred and twelve. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the balls. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus fuck. This is this is the point. Who's Sal Prado? Uh, podcast had ad breaks. This is where you want ad breaks in a podcast. Uh, Shardil Card's got 152, which is the actual run, not balls he faced. Yes, against Ireland in 2016. So William Porterfield, fun fact, was the skipper of the test side. Ah, there you go. Well, I knew I mentioned him for a reason. Yeah, good little cricketer, old Billy Porterfield. Mm. Um, would you guys like to guess at the end names? No. Of the Malahide Cricket Ground. Um, there's the Castle End. Oh, fuck off. And yes. I reckon there's a church at the <laughs> southern end, and it's yep. got a big steeple, and yeah. inside that steeple there's a massive bell, 
Yeah, that's just that throb. Yes, it's a throbbing bell. It's purple with one like vein-looking uh, crack in it, <laughs> and it's called the uh, Trent Johnson end, I think. Oh, I was going to say Ed Joyce. Now I know it's the castle, and I can't remember what the other end was called. Dublin Road End. Dublin. Of course yes. it is. Yeah. Of course it is. Yes. So the Malahide Cricket. So I've went to the Malahide Cricket Club. Uh, website? Yes. So I made sure I went to two forms of reference. Yeah. <laughs> ah, nice. Peer review <laughs> too. <laughs> Actually, three. Quick Info, Wikipedia, and the Malawi oh, Career Club. You you out, don't count Wikipedia. It's just two. Mm. So the Malawi Career Club was formed in 1861, um, and the club boasts two playing pitches. One serves the international ground, which is the... Malahide Cricket Club ground and another one is for the juniors and stuff yeah. like that. They host a shitload of junior <laughs> cricket sides. Juniors like and stuff 20. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Unimportant stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Jipper cricket, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently it's a welcoming environment according to the Malahide Cricket Club. <laughs> <laughs> That's their big selling point. We're welcoming. Yep. And they're open. Uh, so it's really weird. Like it's a test venue, and they're a big club, but it's very local. Like, they're not... Mm. They obviously play first-class cricket, too. It's, but it's, just, it's all about getting people to the club. In fairness, they're... Um, it's not the G. But no, but they've also only, like, 18 months ago, pretty much, become mm. first-class cricket. Yeah, that's true. So they still would have... A, they would still have a very... Local like, feel district cricket, it, yeah. local feel, it's because... Even, it, yeah. You, you, you won't see... Teams like, uh, oh jeez, I'm trying to think of a Premier Cricket so like North Cricket yeah. Club. They won't be saying we're a welcoming and open. Oh club. no, probably not. They, no. Probably, they might, but they might, but they might not mean it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, these guys might not mean yeah. it, I suppose. Yeah. But it's just very the, what everything on their site screams local cricket yeah, club, yeah. not Premier Elite Cricket, which they do play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so now it wouldn't be a. Uh, Around the grounds with some Google reviews <laughs> of the cricket ground. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, interrupt you for a second and let you know we've still got a bit to get through again, so if you wouldn't mind... This will be quick, mate. Thank but you. Talking about how it will be quick or slow is also a good way of slowing it down. <laughs> <I will>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Naman Segal, I think Stephen's brother, Yeah. Um, he gave it four stars and he said, India versus Ireland in 2018 will be a great achievement for this ground. But Pakistan played Ireland in 2018. I want to know what he knocked the star off for. No, it doesn't say it. Blathnade Rafferty said, My favourite club, always a great seat. Mary is a lovely, friendly face behind the bar. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Mary. Better than our club and fucking Smokey. (laughs) Uh, Robert Condren, best cricket club in Ireland, best pint in Malahide. There you go. Robert uh, gave five stars. Vincente Foyle... Ojan Gruen Jesus. gave it three stars, wrote OK, and put a picture of a Guinness pint up. <laughs> uh, Bashir Khalid, three stars. Pakistan will win easily. Yeah, Good Bashir. Yeah, your ass. Mod Fahim, two stars. Not a proper cricket stadium. Ah, oh, fuck off, Count. Fuck so, off, Modim. 
You know, that's yeah. really given me like a clear idea of what the cricket ground yeah. is like. So I'm definitely going to go yeah, there. Poor old, um, he's probably, poor old Mud Im's probably not used to a cricket ground. Doesn't have a fucking security fence twenty feet around the boundary so yeah, he can't well, get on the ground. Yeah, not, proper. Yeah, not, not proper. Not proper. You're right behind the Irish here, mate. Long run, <laughs> very, mate. very Long passionate. Run. Very passionate. I was watching about... the IPL ground. We had a fifty foot chicken wire fence yeah, to stop getting over the boundary. I never knew you were a Malahide through and through. Oh, be Malahide <laughs> fucking for <laughs> weeks and weeks. Yeah. You literally. Yeah. Bleed your blood, oh. you know, is Malahide flowing ever through your since, blood. Ever since I knew Malahide was there, <laughs> all over. Yeah. Right, are you right, done? That's Al? me done around the grounds, David Bullock. Nice. Over to you. Don't use my full name in a podcast. Jeez, that'll be a tough um, uh, act to follow, uh, Michael. And it's not quite the mystery of the submarine in the Sydney Harbour, but you ran your eye over the Irish <laughs> test? Yeah, so I... Um, so I did watch it. I watched, um, as I talked about, alluded to on the previous um, episode, they did the highlight packages. I tried to watch them every day, and um, it was a little bit easier said than done. So I ended up watching. But I did watch on the last and final day, They and I think Bull, you and um, one of our other listeners, uh, Fat Egg, got me onto this, is they went live on Foxtel for when it looked like the when it looked like Ireland were actually going to steal a victory. Oh, really? So I watched a little bit of it live as well. But the main thing I watched is they did like a three-hour recap show, which kind of touched everything. So I watched, I got between all the highlight packages, and I watched a good fucking a good chunk of this test. And all the people on Twitter were losing their mind that it was like it was going to be blacked out, and Australians were going to be banned from watching it. There was plenty of it to watch, so there was no. And but, at your leisure too. Yeah, but um, so the Irish. Bold first. Uh, they started off all right. Big boy Rankin got the first pole, so he took the first wicket in um, Irish Test cricket. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a nice edge and a uh, nice catch by the uh, skipper, Porterfield, in the slips. So um, then Murtagh got himself. So him and Rankin and Murtagh were going quite well. Then Pakistan kind of just... Um, they got a couple of 20s and 30s here and there from memory. Nothing like super spectacular, I think. Yeah. I think when it was all said and done, they got about... 300 odd? Yeah, it was just over 300. Yeah, so like, young um, Iman Al-Haq, which I've been led to believe is Inzi's nephew. Yep. He he looked alright, he looked a good player. It was one of his really early tests, I don't he's think he's played a, that um, many. He's a real bookish looking type, isn't he now? Yeah, yeah, he's got the big Clark Kent, Clark Kent glasses <laughs> on, and he wears them um, in his lid, so he wears them all the time, so yeah. he wears them when he's batting, fielding, everything, yeah. He looks like he's been plucked out of an accounting firm somewhere, but um, <laughs> but uh, he went all right. And there's a few of them, like, they had a couple of guys who'd only played a handful of tests as well. The thing that struck me as really interesting, and I, um, is uh, Muhammad Amir come back and he was playing. Yep. yep. But the, um, the Pakistan, the commentators, they had, um, is it, is it Ramesh Raja, is the Pakistani commentator? Something no, like that, anyway. Is the name uh, sorry? Abdul Razak was there. No, no, it was it was two R's. Uh, anyway, okay. but he was commentating, and there was there was a lot of um like Trent Johnston was commentating, yeah. former Sydney born Irishman. Um, there's a couple of other Irish guys who one guy the way they were talking to him and the way he was kind of talking sounded like he might have been like the Jared Kimber, Robert Robert Craddock of uh, Irish yeah. cricket. Uh, okay. Like he was very um. He said, come across as he was like the media man and he was the voice of cricket in Ireland, one of these people that had been pushing for years for them to yeah. get recognition, like he's been doing it for as long as he could remember. So he was quite good, um, very dry, but he was quite good. But I, what, back to what I was saying is um, the Pakistan commentator was explaining that Muhammad Amir had to be convinced to play test cricket. 
not just this test, but to play yeah. test cricket full oh, stop. Right. When he come yeah. back, obviously. Yeah, when he come back. Because they said like the lure was to play short-form cricket, so obviously IPL, T20s and all that type of thing. And and in this test, he took his 100th test wicket, so it's not like he's a, a slouch or anything. Yeah, and then I'm reading all these things on Twitter today saying how he's going to be so important in for them to take on England. Rah, rah. It's like, well, how can you attach your cart to a horse that doesn't want to pull it. Yeah, that's a good point. Because he's that good, really. Oh, look, I understand that, but, like, it's just... It's interesting that he had to be talked into it. It's also interesting that he... Serious, deep down, he must want to fucking play. Because mm. who the fuck could be talked into standing in the fucking cricket field for five days if you don't want to do it? Especially if it's freezing. Yeah. yeah. But um, but back to the cricket. So then, um... In, so, they, so they rolled through them. Murtar and Boyd got about two or three each, I think. Jeez, did he no. go well, that uh, Murtar bloke? Just oh, fuck like off. A, um... He looks like a parking inspector, but he uh, he bowls yeah. quite well. Oh, he got he's got good control. He got really good movement. He's got a bit of um, bit of Jimmy Anderson about him. Probably not the sharpness some, that Jimmy Anderson has. But... Some might say Mick he's the uh, rich man's Chad Sayers. Yes, Ooh. yeah, because he moved it and got wickets at Test. No, we love you, Chad. We just love giving you shit. Um, but so he bowled quite well like he um, in one of my early county reports he took like a 5 or a 6 yeah, yeah. and like so he obviously county cricket Irish like very carbon copy um, conditions so he did oh, quite yeah. well there um, with the bat the Irishman didn't fare so well They got in the end they got rolled for about 120 or 30 or something like that yeah. um, and they were forced to follow one the highlight of their batting was probably um, Kevin O'Brien who made, I want to say 40. I don't think he got to 50, but he may have. I, I, I'm, I will be corrected if that's the case. Yeah, I think they were like five for spit. He come in yeah, he came in and really yeah. steadied the ship. So he did him well and, in both and, innings. He basically yeah, saved he, him in both innings. Yeah, he did. He, uh, he hit the first ever four for Ireland, which was a lovely stroke where he um, got outside, nice stride out towards the offside, got an inside edge and ran it down past his leg stump for four hey, to his wide leg. Doesn't matter how you get him, fellas. Yeah. There's no um, wagon wheels in Test Cricket. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, unfortunately, man, there is wagon wheels in Test Cricket. <laughs> yeah, but um, but now he looked really solid. There's another chap there, um, Paul Sterling, who's um, little heavy set, red bearded boy. Looks like just looks like a park cricketer through and yeah. through. But he um, he showed a bit of promise. Like a few, he, he was batting really well. He had a bit of aggressiveness. He um, really. Um, Strong wrists, a lot of like the ball maybe not where you should be like cutting it or whatever and just hmm. flicking the wrists and just kicking it out through cover or through um, third man and stuff. So he looked like he got a bit of promise about him too. Like we said, they got in, the follow on got enforced, then Ireland in reply. Second time around made 330. Yep. Uh, like we said before, O'Brien got himself a ton. Uh, there's another guy there, Thompson, who's one of the other all rounders. He got himself a 50. So um, they, they did. Pakistan, second time around, they could not catch a fucking STD to music festival. They were (laughs) fucking horrible. They just dropped everything. The keeper, like the keeper, you got fucking gloves on, mate. The keeper, who's also their skipper. uh, Cameron Akmar, was it? No, no, no. I think it's Afraz or something like that. He was fucking oh, horrible. He was so bad. But they dropped a lot through the slips and that as well. You can blame the cold and all that, but it's just not an excuse. It's in the hands, you got to fucking take it. Can I, but, um, can I tell you... So the Irish things? took advantage of it. Like I said, got to 300. Then um, Pakistan had a bat again. They were chasing 100-odd off the top of yeah. the head, and they chased it probably four down or five down. Mm. It did... 
look like the Irish were going to do the unthinkable, which is why we said Foxtel in Australia went live with the last day. Um, the, the disappointing thing for Ireland is if they had have gotten up, not that it would have been disappointing they won, mm. but the disappointing thing, and it's the joke that we all fucking made, was that how much is this Pakistan loss costing? Because yeah. it looked like, because as bad as it is to say, but the, there's oh, a history yeah. of match fixing and things like that, it looked like they were throwing the test match. Clearly they weren't because they ended up fucking winning, but geez, it did not look good for a while there. Can I, yeah, was that? Oh, yeah. Can I tell you two things I learned from that Irish slash Pakistan test match, please? You can. Uh, one bad innings, whatever you do, bowling or batting can cost you a test match, and in uh, yeah. Ireland found that out pretty, pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, also, if there's one man in test cricket who should just swing from ball one, it's Boyd Rankin. He has the longest levers that you've ever seen yeah. in your lifetime. <laughs> he cannot block, he cannot bat. Close your eyes and swing your ass off, mate. Mm. You've got yeah. four metre arms, you're going to clear some pickets. Yeah, so that's, that is 100%. The other thing that I... Um, and this is, and Ross will like to hear this, it goes back to a bit about what we talked well, about. Well, he better listen during the week then, shouldn't he? Yeah, with Bangladesh <laughs> and all that. Um... This really shows, like, the Irish conditions, like, if I was Australia and I was in charge and I was doing all these things, I would book in for two, a test or two yeah. in Ireland before the Ashes starts. Oh, yeah, with that pitch and the bowlers similar they pitch, have. Got the, yep. the ball's moving around. Yeah, good They've ball. got, in terms of bowling, Rankin and Murtagh are quite good. Uh, the next the next guys in line were Kane and Thompson. They weren't too bad. Kane is an amazing one. It was his technically it was it would it was his fifth first class game. <laughs> Jesus. He played four first class games before this thing got picked. I know tests aren't first class, but just for the sake of my argument, it was nah, tests, tests are first class. Yeah, but it was effectively but you know, people don't look at it that way. <laughs> it was effectively his fifth first class game he was playing it. In Ireland's first ever test match. And Um, with that, Mick, if Australia go and play a couple of tests against Ireland, it's going to be a much better warm-up than playing some paltry, you know, county team from... Well, yeah, second team. Exactly right. exactly right. Like, this this Irish side has... It's like... Good players. It's it's like... like, Yeah, what is it? It's like a county for... It's not really... But it's like a county all-star team. It's like exactly. good players picked out of a few different counties put into one team. Yep. It's like playing an MCC or a Prime Minister's eleven, Yeah, or a but, Sheffield Shield best 11 or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. And you've got Boyd Rankin's played a test. Ed Joyce has played international cricket. Well, they've all played a test. Well, they've all played a test now. <laughs> but like Murtagh, like Kevin O'Brien, yeah. like these guys have played for Ireland in yeah, what, World Cup cricket, tournaments yeah. and all that. Yep. The, interesting, the interesting thing was... Um, the way the commentators were talking, it's not, and, and his age probably has a massive thing to do with it. But they basically just said this is Ed, Ed Joyce's only test ever. Yeah, like he won't play a uh, test again. Yeah, because like, he's like thirty-eight. Yeah, or something, so it's yeah. like well, so or even older. Yeah, so that's an interesting one. But like I said, like if I was Australia, even if it's just one test, I'd be looking in to taking advantage because one, yes. They're, they're going to be better than a county team, but they're not going to be good as a good as good as England. So it will be a good warm up. And you know what? And if you fucking if they embarrass you, then fucking so be it. Yeah, they're going to they're going to beat someone eventually. And if yeah. you if you cabbages walk over there and treat them with no respect, and they fucking beat you. So be it. That's your so, own problem. Yeah. They normally play two warm ups. Yeah. In England to whatever county shit trucks, yeah. add an extra week to the entire tour. Mm. Play a warm up against county shit trucks yeah. for the. 
two tests in Ireland, yeah. play two tests in Ireland, then play fucking yeah. winning five tests in England. Yeah, no, you don't need a warm up in between Ireland and England because yeah. it's fucking it's test cricket. You're yeah. in the, you know. So there'll be people out there that will disagree with it. And- one person I spoke to already disagree, disagrees with me on it, but nah, I think I think it's a really good way to go. And I think if James Sutherland wants to get on his high horse about how we're trying to protect the image of the game, like we mentioned last week, you got to play Bangladesh. This is a perfect opportunity to play Ireland. Yeah. And somewhere in it, even fucking... If next time we go to Abu Dhabi to play Pakistan, yeah. why aren't we playing Afghanistan yeah. in a war? Hold on. Be careful, Mick, what you say about Sutherland. He already sacked Ross from the podcast. He'll take yeah, it that's true. Yeah, that's true. But like, this is the things like there's ways to incorporate these smaller nations into your tours without having to like set aside. Oh, here's a month to play them. Yeah. Like, like even like when you go to South Africa, there's got to be a way you can incorporate Zimbabwe into going to South Africa. Oh, how hard could it be? Like, but three, anyway, three that's one days in a week. Yeah, but anyway, that's my rant on that. But um. Feedback is, like you said, all the, the thing that cost Ireland was is that their first innings, they batted really poorly. The guy at number three made a pair. Yeah, poor cunt. Um, <laughs> but um, if you if you give yourself another 100 runs in that innings and get yourself to 220 or 230 in that yep. first innings, uh, one, you don't follow on. Different ball yeah, games. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 you've you got a cat amongst the pigeons there. So I really think that... They're going to get someone in their conditions at home. Yeah. Like, like a New Zealand or even like a Sri Lanka or uh, someone. It'll and they're going to beat be us. It'll be even us. us. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to, but they're going to beat them. They're, they're not going to take too long to win their first test, I don't think. Yeah, I, don't oh, I agree. Yeah. Mm. Uh, they're going to pull a New Zealand, which is no. 25 tests or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Good wrap up, Mick. Really solid stuff. Um, Great work to Fox Sports for putting that last day on. There was uh, riveting television. We were sitting around it and talking about it in our WhatsApp slash Facebook group. So uh, that was fantastic to see. Uh, Now, boys, uh, strap yourselves in. Get yourselves a cup of coffee or a beer because I'm going on a long and searching rant right now. We haven't had one of these for a while. And God help any of you who interrupt me. Let me tell you that right now. (laughs) The Victorian Bush Rangers and the Vic Spirit are dead. In a decision that has reverberated around the cricket community, Twitter of course, the VCA has lowly succumbed to the left-wing cucks and snowflakes of the world and decided to drop the offensive Bush Rangers moniker. This is political correctness gone mad and what's next? If we drop the Bush Rangers name, we might as well let people marry their dogs. We have been the Bush Rangers from day dot, and now these hippies want to come in here and remove the name that we have built up since the 1800s. And well, the Vic Spirit played girls cricket, so who gives a fucking shit about them? (laughs) This is all according to the vitriol on Twitter, mind. These are the facts. In 1995, the Victorian men's cricket team, sound familiar fellas, was rebranded the Victorian Bush Rangers. Let me tell you something about that. And the great history of the Bush Rangers. Shane Warne debuted before the Bush Rangers. The, the Bush Rangers came out in the same year that the Victorian team of the century was selected. 100 years, fellas. <laughs> and then the Bush Rangers name came out. Now, the voice of cricket, obviously Steve Quartermain, has said Victoria <laughs> have made a mistake. They spent years building a brand only to bin it according to the doyen of cricket. 
23 years of building a brand that has seen Sheffield Shield patronage skyrocket, no doubt. <laughs> well, not exactly. With Victoria routinely playing in front of a smattering of people for four days in the empty cauldron that we know as the MCG. Well, that's just the Sheffield Shield, I hear you shriek. And the Bush Rangers were a force in the Mercantile Mutual Cup, ING Cup, Ford Ranger Cup, Ryobi One Day Cup, Manador Barbecues One Day Cup, <laughs> Set the Sizzle, JLT One Day Cup. <laughs> Why rob Victorians of a chance to see their one day Bush Ranger heroes up close and personal? The Bush Rangers up close. Now we have to deal with the Victorian men's one day cricket team. The brand has been built and now we're tearing it down. Oh, you mean the brand that saw the one day domestic cup become a carnival? The You haven't seen the Bush Rangers heroes up close for years as they've been playing out of the same ground in New South Wales with a fucking fig tree growing in it. <laughs> if you were building a brand for 23 years and it never gained any traction or worse your main product was moved out of sight from the people who pretended to want it you'd be labelled the worst business person ever I'm surprised it's taken this long for the brand to be killed people in the Twitter sphere have already agreed to a boycott of games in protest <laughs> I will not attend another game says the angry mob, to which the VCA can quite rightly reply, who are you? The VCA would be surprised as anyone that people are going to boycott games. Uh, from now on, I assume they've just assumed that people have been boycotting for years, such as the <laughs> poor crowd numbers. If anything, the dropping of the Bush Ranger name has given them more traction in the last week than anything Cam White has done since his debut. Uh, just for those wondering, Cam White is a really good cricketer who plays for Victoria. The people losing their minds on Twitter couldn't tell you who the captain of the Victorian side was. Uh, it's Ca- it's Hanscom, by the way. Or who has taken the most wickets in Sheffield Shield history for Victoria. Uh, that's Pistol Paul Rifle. But they sure as shit can cause a fuss about something they've never thought about. The Australian men's cricket team aren't the cricket ruse or some other weird bullshit other national teams try and use to drive social media engagement. They are simply the Australian men's cricket team. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for Victoria. And we haven't even discussed the elephant in the room. What the fuck is Vic's spirit? (laughs) (laughs) I can only assume the women of Victoria's Premier Cricket Divisions will be breathing a sigh of relief that they don't have to play under such a ridiculous name. But that is their identity. Without it, what will happen? Maybe ask the Australian women's cricket team. They seem to be going okay since dropping the ridiculous Southern Stars name and actually playing under the national banner. All in all, a bit of outrage is fine. It can sometimes do some good. Fake outrage is fine. It can sometimes create real change for the better. But getting fake outraged about a cricket team who no one gives a fuck about, changing their name that they've had no amount of time to even care about, it's just too much. No one even called them the Bush Rangers. They have, uh, they have and always will be simply the Vicks. Tidy it up, you fuckheads. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good, we, we go from state-based cricket to county-based cricket. Mick, you've got a rap for us? I do. So I have the latest uh, edition of Have Bat, Will Travel. So yes. As is customary in this, I'd just like to firstly start off by saying to the bloke at cricket.com, writing the county wrap-up articles, lift your games. I had to do this one myself again. Oh, what? Do your own research. What's that all about? It's just not fucking good enough. He's not getting those notes you're sliding under his door. Fucking cocky. 
<laughs> Alrighty, so uh, round five. So this is uh, we're still in four day cricket mode. Uh, so this is the first half of my county wrap. So county division one. So we kick off with a trip to Sherwood Forest as Nottinghamshire hosted Lancashire. Lank selected the bowl first and got off to a cracking start, picking up not skipper Stephen Mullaney in the second over. Roster boss Taylor made a duck, uh-huh. and Stuart Broad got twenty as knots were rolled for a hundred and thirty-three. Lank's bowler, Lank's bowlers, Graham. They taste better on the Barbie onions. <laughs> took, took three for twenty-two, and the real Jim Shady, Jimmy Anderson, took two for twenty-seven. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's great, Nick. So he took two for 27th while still rocking that disgraceful fucking haircut. Uh, The real Jim Shady. Great. So in reply, Lancashire made 338, with the pick of the bats being Ross's man, keyboard Keaton Jennings, who peeled off 126. Is it one of our listeners a Lancashire man, or am I... He is. No, Big Chris is a Lancashire man. Ah, good on him. Uh, so Stuart Broad took four for forty-one. An English Test bowler, and I use the term pretty fucking loosely. <laughs> Jake Ball took two for a hundred and one. Oh, 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 the old ball sack. Two. <laughs> Again, Not two. a sack of wickets, a sack of runs. Yeah. Knights had another bat and put up hundred and thirty-eight. Highlight of the innings being Ross Taylor making another duck to give him a pair for the Jeez. match. Lance Bowling duo Jimmy Anderson, 4 for 26, and Graham Onion, 6 for 55, refused to share the wickets with anyone else. Yeah. Lance wins by an innings and 67 runs. Onion's causing a few people to cry there. Yeah. Uh, Lance 22, not 3. People, the old onions. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit of an acquired taste. Yeah. Graham oh, Onions. Yeah. 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 Bit like Jimmy Anderson's fucking haircut. Yeah. Um, oh, no one likes that. <laughs> oh. Ridiculous. So next stop on the Have Bat Will Travel Express is Taunton, where Hampshire took on Somerset. Somerset skipper Tom Kane and Abel. Yeah. Ah, there he is. Decide, reference. Decided to have a bowl. Hampshire got two thirty one with their skipper James Vince, top scoring with forty four. Somerset bowlers Abel and Groenwald took three each. Somerset posted a first innings total of 506. Oh. Pig of the bats being James Hildreth with 184. And the big jug-headed, look, jug-headed looking prick, jug-headed <laughs> looking prick, Craig <laughs> Overton made 80. Oh, nice. So three, three Hampshire bowlers cracked three figures. Uh, th- yeah, so South African Gareth Berg, five for 130. Well, West yeah. Indian Fidel Edwards. Oh, he's still going. Yeah, two for one hundred and forty-four. Is he still wearing a big chain, Mick? Can you continue? Oh, I assume so. <laughs> yeah. And Scotland's Brad Wheel, two for a hundred and one. Hmm. Sounds like the start of a fucking joke. A South African, a West Indian, a Scotsman open a pie shop. <laughs> <laughs> ah, crispy stuff. So Hampshire <laughs> fared a little better in the second innings, making four for 432 declared. Oh, yeah, that, oh Jesus. Yeah. With the man with the most boring name in cricket, James Vince, making a double ton. Fuck, that Jesus. is a boring name. Yeah. And the man who had to prove to Dave Warner his beard was, was real so he didn't punch him, <laughs> Hashim Amla, making a ton as well. Matt Renshaw got a bowl and took none for two off his one over. <laughs> oh, well, bowl a turtle. Yeah. The match was a draw. Somerset got 13 points. Hampshire got nine. So London is up next when, where Surrey took on Yorkshire. 
Uh, the Yorkies elected to bowl as the skipper told his Surrey ca- counterpart, you better Surrey up and put your pads on. Fuck it. So happy. Surrey were struggling early at 2 for 19 off 7 overs, but bounced back thanks to 61 from Dean Algar and 158 from 20-year-old wicketkeeper Ollie Pope. Ooh. Not to be confused with the South Australian ginger mongoloid leg spinner Lloyd Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Best of the Yorkshire bowlers was Timmy Bresden with 3 for 98. Oh, Brez. Yorkshire struggled in reply, limping to 229, as Sam Curran ripped through them to take 6 for 54. Sam is the younger bowler, younger brother of test bowler Tom Curran, who debuted in the, Ash- the recent Ashes. Yep. Um, and as you know, because he's Tom's younger brother, that means Sam also once lived with Mitch and Sean Marsh. Oh, and they were on like a tractor together yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Pick of the uh, pick of the Yorkshire bats was Sir Drop a Lot, Johnny Bairstow with ninety five. <laughs> uh, Surrey enforced the follow on, and Yorkshire fared even worse the second time around to be all out for one sixty eight. No one of note made any runs, but Sam Curran snared four for forty seven to give him match figures of ten for one hundred and one. Is he the jipper who played the Ashes last time? His brother. Ah, his brother. It's his younger brother. Yeah, he's Tom the one. Was his Mark- name, wasn't it? Tom was his, yeah, yes. so Mark, Sam's the one Mark Nicholas kept banging on about because he's old, he's slippery, like really quick. Ah, okay. He's basically, if you believe all the reports, he's the quickest bloke in English cricket. Right. He's okay. just young. He's yep. like 19 and he still doesn't have great control or some shit like that. Was well, that his career stop. by trying to get it a bowl lot of length? Then, yeah, so. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so Surrey won by an innings of 17 runs, sucked in Joe Root, you cunt. Uh, speaking, uh, of Surrey, <laughs> speaking of Surrey, did we mention Coley's neck injury? No, apparently he hurt his neck trying to suck his own cock. Yeah, um, so he's no longer going to play against um, Afghanistan, but he's also not going to be able to play for Surrey because he's broken his neck or he's done something to his neck. Continue. Yeah. Sorry, Mick. That's all right. He's probably snapped his neck around trying to look at, trying to take butt selfies in the fucking mirror. Ah, or now we're talking a bit of Snapchat style. Uh, so points for Surrey 24, Yorkshire 4. Ooh, ouch. So final game of the round for Division 1 saw Worcestershire take, Worcestershire take on Essex. Essex chose to bat first and struggled to be all out for 177. Alistair Cook top scored with 37 and the banana man himself, Pierre Siddle, made 29. Ah, Pierre. I still love it. <laughs> Pick of the bowlers was uh, Josh the Lashing Tongue. <laughs> he took 4 for 45. Um, I'm still keen to play Test Steve McGoffin. Took 1 for 38. Still to going. Really pu- to really put his name back in front of the selectors. Oh, yeah, yeah. Up in lights. Mm. Uh, on a side note, Worcester's, skip, Worcester's wicketkeeper is named Ben Cox. <laughs> so one wicket so one wicket in the book was caught Cox's bold tongue. Ah, <laughs> nice one. Worcester made 238 in response with 21-year-old Joe Michael Clark making say, a ton. Mick, save that sort of smut for episode 69, not 68. Oh, sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Joe Michael Clark making a ton. That's not a nickname. That's just the Paul Pricks real name. Uh, Travis Head made five. McGoffin made a duck to really showcase his all-round talent. <laughs> Pierre Siddle, two for 56. Pierre. Uh, second, second innings, Essex fared a bit better, posting 275. Ali Cook made 66, and Pierre made a well-crafted two. Yeah, nice. Good on you. The tongue bath, Josh Tongue, took five for 53, with Steve McGoffin showing great support with one for 67. He was really oh, yeah. lapping it up, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Ha <laughs> ha, nice. <laughs> Worcester needed to make 215 to secure a victory, but unfortunately a fighting 62 from Trav Richard Head 
wasn't huh. enough as I bundled out for 182. Pierre took five for 37. Oh, shit. Saffer off spinner Simon Harper took five for 43. Essex, Essex. Essex won by 32 runs. Essex. Uh, did you know Peter Silva used to be a woodchopper? Points, Essex 19. <laughs> <laughs> So, in summary for Divi 1, Lanks beat Nocturne innings in 67. Hampshire and Somerset had a draw. Surrey beat Yorkshire by an innings in 17. Essex beat Worcester by 32 runs. Peter Siddle likes bananas and used to chop wood. Uh, (laughs) On to Divi 2. So, we begin round 5 of of County Divi 2 with Durham going head-to-head with Derbyshire. Ooh, the D-off. Yep. Durham elected a field, and once again, Paul Collingwood looked like a right twat. As Derby posted 427. No Aussies played there and about four blokes made 50, so no shout out. The yeah, rim job, right. Nathan Rimington, took ah. one for 46 for Durham. I don't believe he offered his services to the test team despite the <laughs> McGoffin like performance. <laughs> uh, Durham then proceeded to race all the po- Paul Collingwood as a right twat talk by putting on 520. Jesus. With tons to former Irish ODI batsman Stuart the White Pointer. With 170. <laughs> and Michael Richardson made 115. Rimjob yeah. made three. Michael Richardson, the, Kramer. Yeah. Pick of the Derby bowlers was Tony the Mobster Palladino. Just sounds like a mobster name. <laughs> ah, he so took, does. He took, four, he took four for 87. Fat Tony. Derby had, a sec, Derby had a second bat, posting nine for 277. Nine for 279 to hang on for a draw. The oh, man on the imaginary horse and one of Russell's favourites, Mark Wood, took six for 46. Uh, Starting blocks. Yeah, rim job really McGoffined it up, taking none for 40. Yes. Points were uh, Durham 30, Durham, Durham 11, Derby 10. Next we had to Canterbury, where hard as a cat, hard as a Kent's head, took on Sussex. <laughs> and with a flick of the wrist from the skipper, Ben Brown, Sussex elected to have a bowl first. Kent were all out for 2.15, with no one of note doing anything special. Uh, from a Sussex point of view, Ishant Sharma finally decided to do something, taking three for 62. On you, mate. Have you got his app? No, I don't. He has no. his own app. In reply, Sussex made 181. With the man the, with the man the Melbourne Stars tried to retire, Luke Wright making 35. NZ Care Bear, Matt Henry took four for 69. Uh, did it for two. Yeah. Hard as a Kent's <laughs> head had a second bat, posting 235. Matt Henry made 55 with the blade. Gins, man. He should Sharma took four for 52. Yes. Yes. He's got an app. Did you know that? He's got an no. app. Yeah. This, left app this, this left Sussex with a target of 270 for victory. But they fell short only getting 211. Care Bear Matt Henry picked up six for 53 to give him 10 for 122 for the match. There's a lot more. Seems to be a lot more tempers in county cricket than there is in yeah. Shield cricket. Pitches. Uh, Kent won. Sorry, Bull. Pitches. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it's bowl, it's con- conditions conducive to bowling yes. is what I was trying to spit out. Yep. Uh, Kent won by 58 runs. Points Kent 20, Sussex 3. Our next matchup uh, was Leicestershire, went up against Glamorgan. Leicester elected to bat first and posted 191. Fatty, got, Fatty Cosgrove made 14. He's having a shit of a year. Yeah. Old He's campaigner from WA, M- Michael Horgan, took 3 for 41. Oh, big Hogan. Yeah. In reply, Glamorgan made 178. Smash making seven. Ooh, yuck. In their second innings, Leicester fared a little better, making 237. Old Fat Guts made 33. He's hmm. back. Yeah. Mick Hogan took five for 61. Ooh. Yeah, Mickey boy. 
Plenty of fight for the yeah. too. Gamorgan was set 2.51 for victory, but will be dismissed for 2.47. Ooh. Smash made a duck. Oh, oh bullshit. They're not that close with their, probably yeah. their gun signing, making little to no Leicester run. won by three runs. Ooh. Points Leicester 17, Glamorgan 2. Shit. Uh, next up, we have Middlesex versus Gloucester. Gloucester chose to field first as, as gender... Fluid Middlesex's parents tried to convince themselves this is all a phase and they'll grow out of it. <laughs> Middlesex declared eight down for four fifty-five, with everyone in the top six passing thirty. Everyone except my man, Big Hank, who made a fucking duck. There he is, the big neck Hank. Yeah. Penis in the pitch. Dan Worrell took two for seventy-three for uh, Gloucester. Cocky. In reply, <laughs> in reply, Gloucester posted two ten. Big Hank. Uh, bouncing back, and he took t- he took four for thirty three for the Middlesex Pest. Hank did. Yep. Jesus. The follow on was um, the follow on was enforced, but unfortunately for the Sex Pest, Gloucester fought it out, making four for three twenty six. Sex Pest. <laughs> with James Bracey making a ton and the match finishing in a draw, Big Hank went wickerless in the second innings. Mm, Points of mi- Middlesex twelve, Gloucester eight. Nice. So our final stop for round five is Birmingham, where Northamptonshire played Warwickshire. Northampton chose to bat first and posted a competitive 256. Thanks to late order runs from their number eight and nine, Australian-born Steve Crook made 92. Uh, Crook's in. And, Crook. and the NZ Care Bear, Doug Bracewell, made 81. Ooh. Fat Dougie. Yep. So they shared a 122-run <laughs> stand. Pick of the bowlers being 18-year-old Harry Brooks, who took four for 54. He sounds like he should be a retired British gangster, not an opening bowler. Yeah, and a right of Harry Brooks is the game. Harry Brooks is the name, and breaking legs is the game. <laughs> Warwickshire put up 265 in response with former English test keeper Tim Ambrose making 78. I actually had to look that up, and he did. He played like two tests. Yeah, I, Ambrose, yeah. and you know me, Mick. I'm a uh, keeping yeah. aficionado. And that name doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, I thought it might stump you. He played like two tests in between someone being injured and uninjured or something. Probably, sort of was it in the Reed? Um, was it Chris Reed and who was the other gypsy? Yeah, Jones. it might have been around that time. Yeah, Graham yeah. Jones, yeah. It was a uh, real Phil Emery style, grandma Graham uh, style. Ah, yep, yep, yep. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Bracewell and Crook, good name for a folk band, took four, <laughs> with, four each with the ball. Uh, second innings, Northampton will roll for 187 with the lower order unable to replicate their first innings heroics. Pick of the bowlers being uh, Oliver, any given Sunday, Stone, who took five for 49. 179 was required for victory and was successfully chased down whilst only losing four wickets to give Warwickshire a six-wicket victory. Pick of the Bears' bats was Will Dusty Rhodes, who made 100, not out. Oh, good one, Mick. Points for Warwickshire, 21, Northampshire, 5. So in, sur- in summary... Division 2, round 5. Durham Derbyshire had a draw. Hazard Kent's head beat Surrey by 58. Leicester beat Glamorgan by 3. Middlesex and Gloucester had a draw. Um, yeah, and that's it. So um, so I've also got a bit of a wrap of the... I'll do this as quick as possible because it's kind of dragging on a bit. But So the previous fortnight also has seen the commencement of the English one-day competition, which is the Royal London Cup. Mm-hmm. So the Royal London Cup has all the counties, irrespective of dis- of their divisions, in two groups. Yep. So uh, there's a south group and a north group, obviously done by who's up in the south and who's mm-hmm. down in the north. Or the other way around. <laughs> if 
fucking do that all the time. They essentially run two comps with the winner of each meeting in a grand final. Ah. So, for those playing at home, uh, the South group is Kent, Somerset, Surrey, Glamorgan, Hampshire, Gloucester, Sussex, Essex, and Middlesex. Hey. So, it's fair, to say the South, it's fair to say the South group is all sexed up. There it is. <laughs> the Sex Pistols. <laughs> so, the North is Was- as, uh, Worcester, uh, Worcester, Yorkshire, Notts, Lancashire, Durham, Leicester, Derby, Northampton, and Warwickshire. Yeah, so, yeah. so, I'll just quickly run through it. So, May 17th, so Essex, uh, they made four for 254. They beat Middlesex, uh, who made 250 by six wickets. Uh, what I've done here is mainly just looked at the Aussies or international players to see what they've done. Uh, Hank made 29 and took none for 26. Off 2.4 over, so he got slapped. Oh, wow. Uh, Sussex were 3 for 89. What was that, Bull? I said, ouch. Yeah. Uh, Sussex were 3 for 89 to beat Kent, who were all out for 188 by 7 wickets. There was no Aussies, but Ishan Sharma took 2 for 24 of 7 and 7.3. Uh, May 18th, we saw Gloucester, 2 for 265, beat Glamorgan, 264 by 8 wickets. Smash made 57. Michael Hogan took none for 38. Uh, Penis on the pitch took 3 for 47 for Gloucester. Uh, Somerset, 2 for 131, beat Surrey, who were all out for 129 to win by 8 wickets. Um, no Aussies, but the big mongoloid Craig Overton took 4 <laughs> for 27. Uh, May, so this is all in the South group. Sorry, I've done the group separately, so this is all in the South mm-hmm. group. Uh, May 19th, Hampshire beat uh, Hampshire, 8 for 253, beat Sussex by 250. Uh, Sussex, who made 250 by 2 wickets. Sussex uh, bat um, Harry, a type of small bird, is a finch, made 108. Uh. Hashem Amla made 63 for Hampshire, uh, no Aussies. Uh, Gloucester, 6 for 289, beat Essex, 7 for 287 by four wickets. Uh, DJ World took none for 47, no Aussies at Essex. Uh, Middlesex beat Kent uh, by 70 runs. Middlesex made 313, Kent made 243. Middlesex opener and recent Irish Test debutant, and my man, I'm claiming him, Paul Sterling. Hey. That's it. Uh, Get on him. Made, made 125. Oh, so nice. he batted really well. Uh, Middlesex import Big Hank made a duck and took one for 31. Uh, there are no Aussies at Kent. Uh, Somerset uh, 372 beat Glamorgan 289 by 83 runs. Somerset veteran James Hildreth made 159. Uh, Glamorgan, former WA Quick, Michael Hogan, none for 55. Smash made 35 for Glamorgan. Uh, May 21st, Hampshire, 6, six uh, for 227, beat Surrey, 7 for 262. Now, some of you at home might be saying, but Michael, Surrey made more runs than Hampshire. <laughs> uh, there, was dark, there was rain, so it was under Duckworth Lewis. Uh, so Hampshire won by four wickets. Dean Elgin made 91 for Surrey. And uh, Riley Russo made 90 for Hampshire. Rowdy Riley Russo. Ah, yeah. South African uh, champion. Yeah, no Aussies in that game. Uh, and to finish off, uh, May 22nd, to finish off the South games for this week, uh, Sussex uh, 341 beat Somerset 266 by 75 runs. The recently BBR retired and then unretired Luke Wright made 105 for Sussex. Hmm. Uh, Matt Renshaw made 55 for Somerset, batting at 6. The Turtle. Mm. Uh, Ginsman Ishant Sharma took three for 47 for Sussex. He's got a nap. There you go. Hmm. So we'll just quickly run through the North group as well. So uh, they had a match on May 17th. Leicester, uh, 265, beat Northamptonshire, uh, 
193 by 72 runs. Mark uh, Fatty Cosgrove made 27. He's back. Yep. And ah. Sydney-born Englishman Paul Horton made 103. There's a lot of Australian-born Englishmen yeah. in the county system. Oh, our man Alan Bellelli. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Derb, next match, we've got Derby, 357, beat Warwickshire, 300 by 57 runs. No Aussies, but the Derby skipper, Bill uh, Godluman, made 37. 137, I should say. Uh, Nottingham Shore, 318, beat Lanks, 309. Commiserations to Chris uh, by nine runs. Ross the Boss Taylor made 58 for Knots. Keaton, keyboard Jennings made 136 for Lanks. Ooh, and Joe Meany took one for 51 off nine overs. Joe Meany, if any. Yep. Uh, May 18th, Yorkshire, 328, beat Durham, 186 by 142 runs. Um, Tom Collar hyphen Cadmore. That's a good name, yeah. Made 164 for Yorkshire. The rim job, Nathan Rimmon, took none for 60 off 10 overs. Get that up your ring. Adil Rashid, (laughs) the uh, spinner, English spinner, took 4 for 47 off his 10 overs for Yorkshire. The rim job made 12 with the bat. Oh, uh, no. May 19th, we saw Worcestershire take on Derby. They made the three. Tw- they made 23 to knock off Derby by 50 runs. Travis <laughs> Head made 30, and he had a bowl. He took two for 48. Ah, oh, his little uh, doorknobbers. Little doorknobbers. Bad little offy, I reckon. And uh, Derby's got no Aussies, so fuck them. Uh, Lanks played again on May the 20th. They uh, they made three fourteen. They beat Durham by who made one twenty two to win by a hundred and ninety two runs. Oh. Jesus. So uh, Lanks youngster Alex Davies made one hundred and forty seven. Old keyboard Jennings made seventy three, and Joe Meany made his yeah. He's in, he's in pretty good form at the moment. And Joe Meany made three. If any, uh, but Manny did take two for twenty four off six overs. The rim job took three for sixty four off his ten and made eleven for Durham. Remember, um, remember to really chew them out, you would say. Yes. Yeah. North Ants, <laughs> nine, three, three, 9 for 339, beat Knotts, who made 290 to win by 49 runs. No Aussies there, so you won't worry about that. And uh, Lastly, Warwickshire, 5 for 248, beat Yorkshire, 9 for 247 by 5 wickets. Hong Kong-born English youngster Sam Hain Wow. Made 102 for Warwickshire, and there was no Aussies in that match. He brought the pain. He did bring the pain. And that is this episode's edition of Have Bat, Will Travel. Well, that was the County Cricket Podcast. We're on more major... Uh... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That was a uh, thing... great wrap-up, Mick. There's one thing I learned from that is they play a lot of cricket in County Fucking Cricket. Fucking like two do. weeks. Yeah. Well, what I, like about, what I like about Mick's style is he's worked out who actually listens to us, which is... Let's be honest, two Englishmen. And yeah, yeah. he's uh, tailored the audience towards that. <laughs> he's just said, no, this is what we're doing from now on. We're the county podcast. Yeah. Um, you did mention uh, Hashem Amra on your wrap-up, and that leads me to another South African star in AB de Villiers. Um, mm. Announced his retirement from all international cricket today, effective immediately. Mm. Um, saw some of his stats. Averages 50, made 8.5 test, ra- uh, test runs. Um well, 114 so, tests. That's yes. the one that surprised me. Yes. And that was mm. going to bring me to my point, Michael, is 22 test hundreds in 114 test matches. So the question I pose to you two is, mm-hmm. are we insanely lucky being Australian fans and having Australian cricketers who have made many, many, many test hundreds, or do we throw the word superstar around too easily? So... 
AB Debut is 114 test matches, uh, 191 innings, 22 test match hundreds. Do we think How that's many? a... Uh, 50 is 46. Okay. As I, would, I dare say 46 50s. I might say half of those, 20, were between 70 and 100. And yeah. half of those, again, probably not outs when he's lost partners at the other end. Yeah. I'm just going to read a few names to you. Tell me if they're better cricketers than A.B. De Villiers. Justin Langer. No. Natural talent, I wouldn't say no, but Langer's a very good player. Steve Smith. Yes. Greg Chappell. Yes. Yes. Michael Clark. Um, fuck, it's borderline, I reckon. Yeah, no. this this is the big yeah. one. Uh, actually, the big one. Are we this... just saying test cricketers here, Bull, or just cricketers in general? No, test, be... test cricketers. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, he's probably known as, this is something Ross would say, his short form cricket is amazing, which yeah. is probably why he's seen in the light he is. Anyway, yeah. continue. I'm not trying to denigrate a bit of, he's got a test average of almost 50. 51 yeah. and yeah. almost 9,000 test runs. He is a yeah. genuine, genuine superstar. Yeah. Is Matthew Hayden a better player than A.B. De Villiers? I'd say yes, because he opened the batting, so it's harder. Right, so that's a, what about you, Al? Uh, yes. All right, but so, let's wait and see how AB de Villiers is post career. See what hat he wears. <laughs> so in oh, let's say eleven less test matches and eleven less innings. Mm-hmm. Matthew Hayden made eight more test hundreds. Yeah, yeah, fucking hell. So I think he, that's a thing like we take for granted here because our guys. Seen to peel off tons all the time. Yeah. We had like the best side that's yeah. ever played. But yeah, that's probably going to annoy. The but in one, I'll give AB to be one thing. Sorry, by the way, fellas. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. He never got to face Andre now. So therefore, yeah, <laughs> he probably missed out on ten to fifteen <laughs> test centuries. And also, I I'd imagine that people from other parts of the world who listen to this podcast, I don't know why they do, but they do. Uh, they might say that uh, the Australian batting conditions are better and therefore um, yeah, but, yeah. Australian cricketers get better usage of those better playing conditions. Uh, which but is South African point. conditions are similar uh, to similar? Us. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, um, probably a little bit could use it at bowling, but so, not by much. I think it's a two-pronged attack. Um, I think we throw the word superstar around a little bit too easy. You look at someone like Brendan McCullum, who averages probably 30 at test level and you know, made 1,500 yeah. or whatever it was. Uh, and then you look at someone who's Ricky Ponting, who made forty test hundreds or forty-one test hundreds Fuck. and scored eighty test fifties or whatever it was. Yeah, they're in the league of their own, and we've been super lucky as Australian fans to be able to go. Well, someone who like uh, Mark Taylor scored twenty odd test hundreds, and and as an opening batsman in Test cricket, made five ducks in you know one hundred and eighty. Innings, yeah. you know, so and Michael Clark, who you know, we, we consider a good cricketer, but is he one of our greats? You know, toss of the coin, scored 28 yeah. test hundreds in you know 114 test matches or whatever, similar to ABW yeah. is in that regard. So, ABW is a superstar. Uh, I think one of the better cricketers I've seen in my time, and certainly yeah. the way he played the game 
was amazing, like took the game on and yeah, we could keep her for uh, a, a fair chunk of his career. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So you can't take anything away from that, but I think it reminds you that when stars of other countries retire, you look at your stars or people who statistically are better than that star from other countries. Yeah. And I think it just yeah. makes you feel, uh, you know, it warms your heart to know that you know, you didn't rate this person just laying out, you know, 105 test matches, 23 test hundreds. Ridiculous yeah. for an opening batsman. You know, one of the only openers better than him would be someone like Alistair Cook, who's a genuine superstar of the game. So, yeah. I think it puts it in perspective when you hear other cricketers talk about A.B. De Villiers and then you look back in the past of someone like Matthew Hayden or, you know, Michael Clark, and you think, yeah. geez, what a career these guys had. You probably don't appreciate that when... It's there in front of you. So um, that's the only point I wanted to bring up. Yeah, I think a part of it comes from too, like, and it's a bit like the, like the McCullum thing is that because it's a smaller sample group from a South African, not AB's a freak, don't get me wrong, yeah, but, like the New Zeal- but the New Zealand thing, it's a lot smaller sample group. Yep. Like their best bat, their best bat forever was Martin Crow until Kane Williamson started doing yeah. what Kane Williamson does. You've got who have you got? Richard Hadley and Martin Crow basically. Yeah, yeah two untouchable. And no offense, no offense to Martin Crow, but like you look at his numbers, he would struggle to get a game for Australia. Yeah, you could argue that, and you might yeah, certain times. There's a so, time like, and really I think that's the thing too is that we have this, you know, a hundred plus year history of, and we've been lucky, like you said, we've had. We haven't just had great players. We've had greats of the absolute game. Like yep. Don Bradman is Australian. Oh, yeah. Shane Warne is Australian. Like Glenn McGrath, Dennis Lilly. Like we've Hayden, had some, Ricky Ponting, these guys. Yeah, yeah, we've had some of the greatest players to ever play the sport full stop, play for us. And we also were at the age, like through our teens and through to now being me, for, I'm mid-30s, yeah. um, we watched some of those guys grow yep. up with us, yep. like Ponting. I remember going watching the Australia-Australia A game at the G, and the Australian A side was fucking Hados, Langer, Ponting. Uh, Ian Healy. Ian, Damian Martin. Yep. Like, all, like half the guys that made up that side that yeah, we talk yeah. about, the core of that was in the Australian A side. Yeah. And the Australian side they would have been playing against was like oh, boom, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, those yeah. those Australian A teams yeah. were no joke. Let me tell you, they would yeah. beat anyone. Yeah. So um, I think like I think we're a little bit blessed that way. Oh, I think 100%. that's just part of it. Hashtag blessed, yeah. I would say. Yeah. But um, no, like AB is a freak, and like that yep. Tunny made against us in the most recent series. Oh, yeah. Like it's insane, and like so, like someone made a point. I think I read it on Twitter today. He's like, well, sports bet might put it on their Facebook page. It's like, oh, well, you couldn't have done this six months ago. So three of our players didn't get fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah, up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if he, if he wasn't unstoppable, if he wasn't unstoppable, we probably wouldn't have even had sandpaper in our fucking pants. <laughs> but no, like you, go, Mick. I was like, it's just, and what it does show, but as well, and like, and I harp back on it because I love him. It just shows you as well how much of a freak Jacques Callis was. Oh yeah, because oh. Jacques Callis basically has that career. And, and Andre like Nels fucking, and better, yeah. Yeah, and then has like fucking Glenn McGrath or Brett yeah. Lee's career. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. Tapped on the other side yeah. of it. Oh, not Glenn McGrath. But Brett Lee certainly. He's got the same wickets as Brett Lee. If, yeah. there's, if there's ever been a better cricketer to live than uh, Just Callis, oh, I've never seen him. Yeah, I, I, like, I think he's, I personally think he's the greatest cricketer ever. Oh, cricketer? Absolutely. 
Yep. Yeah, 100%. Because he, he, and he used to field and slip, and he rarely dropped catches. Uh, ridiculous cricketer. Yeah. Well, you guys have seen Nick Madison play. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, I'm not trying to denigrate AB DeVue's career. That was uh, fantastic, and obviously, um, certainly seen him do some ridiculous, ridiculous things against us, and also that 100 he made against West Indies off about 66 balls was yeah. dumb. Um, but having said that, that was episode 68 of the uh, Mid-Off Cricket Podcast. Uh, the next episode is episode 69, Alex. Yes, there he is. There he is. I'm so excited. Uh, so obviously prepare yourself for several lowbrow sex jokes and some sensational nicknames that we've made up over the journey. Uh, yeah. Remember, we are on all major podcasting platforms. Uh, we also have merchandise now, which Mick is obviously happy to talk to you about. Um, yep. Head over to Rem Bubble, get yourself a t-shirt or a hoodie. Uh, yeah, yeah, I apologise to the lads who don't who want hats, but their website doesn't do it. I'm trying to see if there's another way to do it, but at this point in time, it doesn't look feasible to be able to do it at a decent it price. It is typical of this it. podcast. So yes. The one thing people want, we just don't yeah, I've looked at a few. True. I've looked <laughs> at a few places. I've looked at a few places, but just to get them done and then send them internationally, it's just... Too expensive. too expensive. If they want to pay through the nose, yeah, we can That's do it. it. If, you want to, if you want to pay 70 bucks, right? <laughs> Denzel and uh, Christopher, <laughs> send us 100 pounds and we'll sort you out. Uh, we have social media, obviously, where we dominate, so get yourself across all of that. Uh, our fearless leader will be back, no doubt, next episode, uh, but at the lower levels of the totem pole. Uh, <laughs> we might even make him do it in around the ground segment. Uh, until next time, <laughs> it's bye for now. See you, chaps. See ya. See ya, fellas. <laughs>